Hi, Pet the Podcast Editor here. Psychology and marketing go hand in hand, and understanding your target audience on a psychological level almost ensures a successful marketing campaign. So in today's episode, Dan breaks down some important psychological concepts and how they directly relate to marketing campaigns, giving some real-world examples of how they've managed to apply them here at Knowlton. And literally, our whole, in terms of how Knowlton apply this, our whole marketing strategy for us and all of our clients is to do this exact thing. And Lloyd drops not one, but two humble flexes in today's episode. Because Lloyd's not only an extremely successful CEO, he's also a regular person, just like you and me. I've been bodyboarding a bit recently, because I'm a pretty cool guy. I li- recently listened to a 25-hour audiobook on uh, psychology. Get a life. Um, <laughs> I did- <laughs> This episode is filled with practical tips guaranteed to skyrocket your marketing campaigns with the power of psychology. So have your notepads at the ready. This is episode 112 of the Business Anchors podcast. We're just a couple of business anchors. Welcome to the Business Anchors podcast. This jingle is slightly too long. This jingle is slightly too long. Dan, in this episode of the Business Anchors podcast sponsored by Adobe Express, why are we talking about psychology when this is supposed to be a business podcast? That's a good question, Lloyd. Did you know there's actually a really close relationship between psychology and marketing? That's why we're talking about it. Okay. And actually, the the real reason is this has been inspired by Rory Sutherland, um, who last week's episode, episode 111, we spoke about psychology a little bit and how you can increase the perceived value of what you do mm-hmm. based on a podcast I watched which was where Rory Sutherland was interviewed by Stephen Bartlett on the Diary of a CEO yeah. and since watching that I've kind of gone down a rabbit hole of psychology and psychology mm-hmm. studies in marketing and I realized I was like looking at this stuff thinking it's really interesting and thought our listeners might find it interesting as well. I guess and when we spoke about Rory Sutherland before and that stuff, the listeners just absolutely loved it. So we're going to do more of it. Exactly. Yeah, they yeah. did. Well, we actually only just posted that episode today, so we don't know if they loved it yet. But yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't need to tell them everything. <laughs> okay, we're honest, Lloyd. We I tell guess, the yes. truth. Tell them everything. Um, so, thought, so there's basically there's there's a number of uh, insights we've learnt from psychology studies. But I want to go through and, and, and talk a bit about it, the study, the takeaway in terms of the marketing takeaway, and then want to give some examples of how at Knowlton we're implementing uh, implementing stuff we've learned from those studies or what we're doing that reinforces the points we're making based on the insights from the studies. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? A bit intense for a business anchors podcast, but Sorry. yeah, that does make sense. I noticed the first point, um, you've given yourself a bit of a reading challenge. <laughs> I'm looking forward to you to hearing you. I, yeah, pronounce this. Um, because I I am going to be using some notes here because there's quite a lot to remember from the studies. I'm not going to do like death by reading loads of stuff, but there is some specific points I need to get across based on the insights from the studies. And some of the some of the people's names who have done the studies are very. I still don't know how you say them. And also some of the words in the studies I don't know how you say. Oh, that but the makes insights, you sound highly intelligent. No, but the insights, Lloyd. Uh, oh. And I think the value people will get will, will be from the insights and how we're so applying them. So just trust us. Even though Dan can't read the stuff that he's talking about, <laughs> it's going to be really interesting and informative. Is that what we're Don't saying? try to make me look stupid, Lloyd. We're going to be saying good stuff. It's just uh, some, of, some okay. of the words I can't say. All right. Okay. So 
Should we dive in? Okay. Uh, so the first lesson yeah. is to do with reciprocity. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> no, reciprocity. That's how you say it. Bless it? you. Um, so, so, uh, so, <laughs> stop, so please stop saying Sorry. that every time. Okay, I will. Yeah, yeah. So, to do with reciprocity, and it's all about us feeling obliged to give back to people who have given to us. Mm-hmm. And I think this is quite a well known thing, like uh, the power of reciprocation and doing mm-hmm. things because you feel like someone's done something for you. But there's actual studies to back this up. And in terms of lessons we can learn when it comes to marketing, there's, there's quite a few. So, do you want to know about this brief bit about this study? I certainly do. Yes. So in 2002, a team of researchers found that waiters could increase the tips they earn um, with a, by using reciprocity. So tips went up 3% when diners were given an after dinner mint. You know, like when you're at a restaurant and you mm-hmm. get a little mint, like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. And you feel like, oh, they've given me a mint. I'm going to give them a small tip. Oh, is that why that happens? Oh, this or study what, says so, reasons. I guess so, yeah. This this is a very I famous thought, study. Always been, I thought yeah. that's been a weird part yeah. of the meal. Mm. Just, oh, we've ordered all this stuff, and here's something you didn't order right <laughs> at the end. Yeah, yeah, there you even go. Even though we said we're finished. Yeah. Have some it, more to it. Even more interestingly, so tips went up 3% when they had the mint. Hmm. Tips went up 20% if, while delivering the mint, the server paused, looked the customer in the eye, and then gave them a second mint while telling them the mint was specifically for them. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, just, you're just paying them this to go sounds, away at that point, aren't this you? That's crazily specific, but yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like, I suppose that, that, yeah, it, this it's is basically having a personal this interaction rather than a, I do this, for, I just drop these mints yeah. at every table. It's like, there you go. And I think from, this, is, this is for you. Exactly. Well, that's, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't do good as a waiter. Mm. But there is like, when, when you're hearing these studies, there is logical thought and reasoning yeah. behind this. And it kind of makes sense, doesn't I, it? I've read about a study as well. Um, I actually, thinking about this, I, I, I li- recently listened to a 25 hour audio book on uh, psychology. Get a life. Um, <laughs> I, did, I didn't do it like yeah. just for 25 yeah. hours straight. It was found in the same period of like a month. Mm. But, um, and one of the studies that um, in that audio book was, um, and I think this is quite an old school style of selling, but I remember this happening at um, our house when we were kids. There used to be more kind of, you know, like Avon, where they come to your door and sell mm. to you and stuff. There used to be that used to be more common because there wasn't the internet to order mm. things. So you'd be like, "Oh, my mate Sharon, mm. uh, she does perfumes," you mm. know, and that sort of thing. Um, but they had a study where they would give a gift uh, just just for to let, oh, thank you for letting me to come into your house to mm. show for me to show you the stuff. Yeah, and they I think it was a um, like a shaver worth like a fiver. Yeah, but. Um, I don't know the exact things, but when they gave that at the start, like crazily more people bought mm. from them than when they didn't. And you think, well, giving someone like a razor that they don't even mm. want or need, you why like would that? Them. But I think, yeah, it is that thing of like, oh, they've done something for me. So yeah. now I want to exactly. reciprocate. Exactly. Mm. And in terms of like the main takeaway here, in terms of from a marketing perspective, it's provide value for your customers up front before mm. trying to sell to them. And this is literally that same message we've been banging the drum constantly saying to you all is to provide value, create content that educates, entertains, inspires your customers before mm. just creating content about your products and services. And literally our whole, in terms of how Knowlton apply mm. this, our whole marketing strategy for us and all of our clients is to do this exact thing. 
it's interesting for our own business at Knowlton, there's loads of things that we were really crap at in the early days, but actually that is something we did from day one. Mm. Like just, oh, we'll provide value. And it was a bit of a hopeful thing at first, mm. but it's like in the hope that at some point people will be like, you've been teaching me all this stuff for yes. free. So, oh, now I have an opportunity to work with you. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And yeah. it, like I said, it was a bit more hopeful than that. Now we're educated and, we actually know and we're like, oh, there's reasons why this works and that kind of thing. But mm. it has been a major do you thing. Know, do you know why we did that from the start? Because you were really clever? No. I don't know. What then? Because Gary V said to do it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so Good. I blindly followed whatever Gary V said initially. And then we, when we obviously started working together, yeah. told you to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gary. <laughs> um, and I guess slightly meta, before, just before we move on to the next one, this podcast is an example of how we do this. Mm-hmm. We are giving you our best insights and lessons that we've learned from growing our business and running marketing campaigns for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're not holding back. We're giving all of this away to you for free because we know there's a small percentage of you mm. that eventually in the future will become a customer. It's about time some of you guys reciprocated, isn't it? <laughs> That's what Dan's trying to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the power of reciprocation. Really uh, interesting study. Great. You, you interested in hearing another one, Lloyd? I would really like to hear another one. This actually relates to your Avon example a little bit. Okay. Um, and it's called... The foot in the door method. Oh, moving on to how to break into people's houses. (laughs) Yeah, no. So um, the whole point of this is when asked to make a small commitment first, we're more likely to agree to a larger request later. Right. And so the study to back this up. The first study on the foot in the door method was performed in the 1960s. 1960s. That's mad. By Jonathan Friedman and Scott Fazer. Researchers phoned a number of homemakers to inquire about the household products they use. So they called up asking them, what products do you use? You can use? tell you're reading this bit because you've never used the phrase homemakers. <laughs> no, no, yeah. <laughs> Three days later, the researchers called again, this time asking to send a group of workers to the house to manually note the cleaning products in the home. So we, that at each level, they're kind of doing more of a commitment to, right. to get in front of them. The women who responded to the first phone interview were two times more likely to respond to the second request. Mm. So if you lead with something small and get someone to buy in in a small way, and the best example of this in marketing, uh, I see is like through subscribe to our email newsletter or subscribe to this podcast. We're asking you to do something small, easy and free initially Mm. that you're then buying into in a small way that will then make you more likely to eventually buy into that does that for most purchase decisions or not for most but for a lot of purchase decisions if it's a new brand or a new business like say i want like there's a brand i've been bodybuilding a bit recently nice i'm pretty cool guy Mm -hmm. um if there's like a new brand of bodyboard or whatever it's more likely i might buy i thought you said bodybuilding sorry bodyboarding no uh if there's like bodyboard wax that costs like Mm. four quid I'd be more likely to buy that as a first purchase to be like, oh, is this brand good or whatever than yes. straight in for like the 150 quid bodyboard yes. or a big a wetsuit. Yeah. And I guess it's, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, so really the marketing takeaway is to, is to try and get buy-in in a small way from your customers through things like an emails, the newsletter, mm. um, potentially having lower value products like you mentioned like the bodyboard wax yeah so it's like a fiver easy buy-in to like test out 
Yeah. Oh, is this? Uh, oh, now I trust you a bit more. Yeah. Now I and test the products. We see it with clients, like you know, our, our clients. Obviously, it's not four pounds. It's like thousands buying into something. But we we've seen this quite a lot. Sometimes the first time you work with um, a client, it could be like a five thousand, ten thousand pound project, mm. and then they yes. get they, we build that trust. They experience working with us, yes. and then they come back and they spend yeah forty thousand yes. or yeah. you know that's something we experience. And it's a, once you've built that trust, it's a much easier sell as well. So, an example of this week, we had a meeting with a previous customer. It's a very different meeting meeting someone you've delivered meeting someone who you've delivered results for and they trust mm. you, you're discussing how the next bigger project can work rather than convincing them. Yeah. So I suppose if if uh, you're trying to get a sale over the line or you're trying to convince someone to work with you and you're struggling, mm. it could it, a good method could be, is there a way that I can pre present them something lower value to get my foot in the door, show them the value they're going to get? Yes. And then uh, with you know the likelihood that will increase the next time and over time you'll you'll get that value and something we've done mm -hmm. which is exactly what you're saying is sometimes we've broken bigger projects up into smaller parts so for example this first smaller piece of the project where we come up with all the all of the creative ideas and flesh out these concepts to present to you invest a small amount in that piece of work mm. and then when you're happy with that then invest in the bigger piece of work and it's exactly the same it's where it's really important to listen to your customers whether you're selling products or whether you're selling services and and they're really expensive or you know if someone's investing thousands and thousands if if your customers are reluctant to commit um you know that actually maybe there's an opportunity there where you need to provide them a lower yes lower cost lower barrier to entry way of mm. working with you or becoming a customer before they commit to that and this all comes through experience mm. Like I've learned that over the years, you build up your kind of intuition of situations and how things work, but you need those years of experience of of, of uh, going through the motions and figuring this stuff out to then think, I've had a similar situation like this where a customer wasn't quite bought in, but they invested in a smaller thing first. Mm. And then you can present that because you, you're learning from your previous experiences. Yeah. Um, I mean, the more I think about it, the more and more even our suppliers like our accountant we work with them in a small way first yes, yes. and then they started doing our payroll and then they started doing our bookkeep like i'm just thinking once you have your foot in the door it's much easier to mm. get a sale if you're actually good yes yeah, then yeah. It, it works yeah <laughs> um, definitely you ready for study number three i would love to hear about study number three then have you heard of the framing effect lloyd i'm not sure i have actually you know when you've got a picture yeah and you put a frame around it. Yeah. It's that. Ah. Oh. No, what it actually is, is it's... Oh, God, we do have a laugh on the Business Language <laughs> podcast, don't we? Oh, God, that's terrible. Oh, God. <laughs> you see what he did there? It was framing. So he made it out like it was just putting oh. a frame around a picture. Anywho. Um, oh, so... You catch Dan at the end of the fringe in 2023. <laughs> what this is, is where people react um, to a situation differently depending on whether they perceive the situation to be a loss or a gain. Mm -hmm. Okay, People will react differently if they perceive it as a loss or a gain. So let me give you the example of the research. So, um, <laughs> crazy names again. Researchers Amos Tversky and Daniel Kahneman polled two different groups of participants uh, on which of two different treatments they would choose for people infected with a deadly disease. Okay, so people have got a deadly disease. You need to choose which of these two 
Yeah. Solutions you want. Cheerful. Treatment A. <laughs> treatment A. 200 people will be saved. Great. Treatment B. Mm -hmm. A one-third probability of saving all 600 lives and a two-thirds probability of saving no one. Right? Right. So both of those things are exactly the same situation. Yeah. You're saving 200 people out of 600, but mm -hmm. they've been framed differently. Mm -hmm. So another example. Oh, no, let me just give you the rest of the study. Sorry. Okay. The majority of Thank participants you. picked treatment A because of the clear, simple gain in saving lives. Yeah. Treatment A, save 200 people's lives. Treatment B... Mm -hmm. A one-third probability of saving 600 lives and mm -hmm. two-thirds people won't. In group two, participants were told the following. Treatment A, 400 people will die. <laughs> this is really positive, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> treatment B, a one-third probability that no one will die and a two-thirds probability that 600 people will die. The majority of participants picked treatment B because of the clear negative effect of treatment A. Right. So... Thousands uh, of deaths on this uh, yeah, episode yeah. So, of the so Anchors podcast. What this is all about is the way you frame things. Mm -hmm. And this is really relevant to our previous podcast episode. If you haven't listened to it, please do. Because in it, we talk a lot about psychological reframing. Mm -hmm. How you can change the way people look at and think about your product and service by positioning in different ways. And we yeah. give examples of Eurostar, Uber, Tesla, and a variety of different things. So definitely go and listen to that. But... Um, but yeah, in terms of a marketing takeaway, the way you communicate what your product and your brand is all about can completely change the way people think about your product or service in a positive or negative way. So it's so important to get the way that you position your products and services to your audience right. Yeah. Um, and then I'll just just to give I'll, give, I'll give a brief example from last week's episode, mm -hmm. the Eurostar thing. So Eurostar in 2003 invested millions in... Um, decreasing the time to get from London to Paris by 20 minutes. Rory Sutherland said that they could have achieved the exact same result by reframing the situation rather than decreasing the quantity of the time on the train, increasing the quality of the time on the mm -hmm. train by installing um, entertainment systems and Wi-Fi and that kind of thing. So it's two completely different ways of looking at a situation and framing a situation to get the same end result. Mm. I think... Um one thing similar to this is a simple thing that we changed years ago of like when we're quoting for some work we it used to i don't know what we used to put like costs or something yes and uh we changed it to investment fee yes. costs just feel like something i've got to spend money and i'm losing it whereas we call it investment fees because everything we do um should have a return on investment yes. so you invest £20,000 and then at the end of the campaign, you're like, oh, I've made £80,000. Yeah. And framing that as an investment so, and in your mind, I'm going to get stuff back rather than a cost, which is more in your mind of, I just give that money away and that's gone. Yep. Another example that I learned this from dad years ago, mm -hmm. he said to us, or said to me, to never call it a proposal and call it an action plan. Mm -hmm. A proposal, which is what everyone calls the kind of uh, a quote basically mm -hmm. where someone says, I'm interested in these services and you give them a quote documented. A proposal sounds like um, you're proposing to, 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 to do something for them for a cost. Mm -hmm. Whereas an action plan is more like together, we're going to figure out a plan of action to help you achieve what you want to mm -hmm. achieve. And it's just subtle ways of reframing. It's interesting as well. I think this framing happens a lot with pricing. So mm. 
I have I've never seen Netflix say Netflix eighty pound a year. No, because eighty pounds seems like a big purchase, mm. but they'll always say like seven ninety nine a month. Because in your head, then you just think that's that's only eight quid. Yeah, but obviously, it's it's. The, yeah. I was going to say it's the same, but that maths doesn't work out. <laughs> it's only ten months in a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and a lot of companies do this with their pricing, frame yeah. it slightly differently. Or there's that. I mean, maybe you're going to talk about this, but there's the whole thing where like if you have a cheap. Uh, an expensive and an option in the middle mm -hmm. more people go for the middle one whereas if you didn't have yes. the expensive one they yeah. go for the cheap you know if you the way you frame pricing yeah. has an effect as well um, there's, there's another really one of my favorite examples from apple mm. so in 2000 and i think it was 2003 they brought out or they invented the world's first portable digital media player which they called the ipod yes so in 2003, they, they, they brought out the iPod and it was a completely new invention. No one had, we'd had mm -hmm. before we had like, remember cassette players, CD, portable oh, CD players? Yeah, the, Mini the Sony Discman. Yeah. Yeah. So they invented the world's first portable digital media player. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had invented that, I'd probably want to be shouting it from the rooftops and telling everyone this new invention that yeah. we created, right? But when Steve Jobs, you know, like they do, like Microsoft, they do these events where they get on stage and they present yeah. the product. Yeah. So rather than getting on stage in 2003 and saying, um, here's the world's first portable digital media player, mm -hmm. he stood on stage, pulled it out of his pocket and said, a thousand songs in your pocket. Mm. And what he did there that was super clever was he changed, he reframed that situation from this is what our product is to this is what our product does for you. Yeah. And like, I think in marketing, and I have to keep reminding myself this to is ensuring that with all of our messaging, we're thinking like, how can we reframe this? So it's, it's mm -hmm. talking to our idle customers and something that means something to them rather yeah. than just what we want to say to them. And you've sometimes given me feedback of saying like, that's kind of jargon that we use internally, Dan, yeah. no one's going to get that. And it's important to, to really free frame situations. For those that are too young as well. So a thousand songs in your pocket. At the time when Steve Jobs was saying that, so firstly, you, you had these little CD players. They didn't even fit in your pocket. <laughs> you like you had to have, the, some of them had clips that like went on your belt. Oh god! I guarantee big... you were the kind of kid that had the clip on the belt. Might have. <laughs> um, and like, so an album would have maximum twenty songs on. So yeah. it was su like that is such a big. You're thinking twenty songs that I can't even fit in my pocket. Yeah, goes on my belt. An MP3 player. God, mm. I remember those. Yeah. Oh, the good old days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the world's changed now. <laughs> so yeah, reframing is a really clever way of um, improving your marketing, speaking to radio customers. Nice. Dan, can I hear about an, another? You can hear about another one, Lloyd. As you asked, yeah. here's another one. Okay. Um, so have you heard of mere exposure theory, Lloyd? <laughs> I haven't at all. So um, what this is all about is it says that the more we're exposed to something, the more we like it. Okay. So there's there's research from um, another person with an interesting name, Robert Zajonk. <laughs> I feel like someone's pranking you with these no. names. Robert Zajonk showed Chinese characters to non-Chinese speaking participants. He showed each character one to 25 times, asking participants to guess the meaning of the character. The more often a participant saw a character, the more positive meaning they gave. The theory what has a quick effect too. Researchers Kunst and Williams showed their study participants a picture of an octagon for only one millisecond. Later on, 
though, the participants could not explicitly remember seeing an octagon, but they showed an increased affinity for the shape. But how mental is that? Um, uh, one millisecond, they flashed mm. an octagon and they felt more uh, an affinity to the product. I like how you say octagon. Octagon. Um, how do you yeah, say it? I'm not sure, really. Octagon. Okay. Um, so the more you're exposed to something, the more you like it. Yes. Okay. And in terms of in terms of marketing, and this is something we do a lot of, is uh, and what I feel like we're quite good at is um, uh, ensuring we're getting in front of our customers and our ideal mm -hmm. customers regularly, and hitting mm -hmm. that same message home regularly on different platforms. You know mm -hmm. the whole like it takes eight marketing touch points or yeah. whatever that that stat is to convince someone to become a customer. I suppose it makes sense of like there's that human thing of you 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 seek comfort and you seek like people and things that you trust and you're like oh mm. i've experienced that before and so i know what that is like naturally most people are like new and different things they're kind of like oh girl so if you're you're in front of them more and more times like mm -hmm. oh i know who that is i like it when they say stuff and i'm gonna watch this yes. video this is this is the power of providing value up front of like leading with value we i i obviously manage uh, and deliver most of our kind of sales calls and pitches and that kind of thing. What I notice a, a huge amount of is decision makers coming onto that pitch and talking to me like they know us, mm -hmm. referencing podcast episodes, referencing, oh my God, did Lloyd do this thing? Oh my God, I saw your team doing a shoot on the beach with the Lloyd just as a shark or with this or that. It's not all referencing Lloyd. Um, but this is the power of... Uh, yeah, providing value up front and, and creating content on a regular basis. People feel like they know you. Mm. Our customers pre-qualify themselves before working with us. They come to us um, knowing they want to work with us and we just have to help them figure out how because we're providing value up front and they feel like they know us. Nice. I haven't heard of that one before. Yeah. I mean, I've got various other studies. I don't know how many more you want to go through. Is there any? Um. Oh, you have got a lot. I, I think... <laughs> Perhaps, Dan. Mate, should we do one more and then save the rest for another episode? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pick, your, pick your favorite, Dan. You've done a lot of preparation for this. Okay. One. Maybe uh, one with uh, names you can read or something like that. Anything. Okay. Let me decide. Uh, oh, well, this is the, this is a cool one. Okay. Um, have you heard of the IKEA effect? <laughs> I don't think so. This is interesting. I heard I of IKEA, obviously. Yeah. So. Uh, consumers place a disproportionately high value on products they partially created. So like, they, you know, so, so let me give you an example. Yeah. Ikea. So if you go to Ikea, buy mm -hmm. a, a flat pack piece of furniture, go home, spend, an, I don't know how long, an hour, two hours building your flat pack piece of furniture. Uh, 20 minutes, mate. 20 minutes for you. Yeah. And by the end of that situation, compare having your pre, your, the, the, the one that you've made to just buying one online and it's pre-made. Mm you uh, consider the one that you've made more valuable than the one that... Right. So therefore you'd probably be willing to pay more for something that you, yes. you're making yourself. So you're willing to pay more and they don't have to make yes. it. Mm. And in terms of the marketing takeaway here, um, getting your customers involved in oh, yeah. giving feedback for mm. your products and suggest your features that you want on our software or something quite clever we did when we were uh, moved offices. I don't know if you remember this, Lloyd. We, uh, without knowing it, I didn't know this study before, but we were getting feedback on 
um, like the furniture we should be getting, the color schemes, the mm -hmm. designs of stuff. We're posting it online and getting people to vote and things to feel like they were part of this. So yeah. we've got a, like an ecosystem of people who feel part of Knowlton um, and they're kind of bought into what we're doing. Yeah. I'm also just thinking with our customers, when we have a, a customer that, you know, and they have representatives that come onto the shoot and sometimes they have kind of cameo roles in the videos mm. and stuff and they're like part of the process. I do feel that they are the ones that always seem the happiest. Like yes. they're involved yes. and they it does have a disproportionate positive effect. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. It's like, I learned this from that How to Win Friends and Influence People book. Yeah. Um, people love speaking about themselves. You know, sometimes when you... Uh, you meet someone and uh, they they speak a lot at you yeah. sometimes. Reminds me a bit of this podcast yeah, episode. Well, no, 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 but with, yeah. <laughs> so when, when people speak at you a lot, sometimes they'll yeah. say, that was a great conversation. I loved that mm. because they felt like they spoke about themselves more. Right. So in that Have book, you enjoyed this episode? <laughs> it's not, I've spoken about some interesting studies. Like. You have. You really have. I'm just wondering if you've enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, so, yeah. So, so, so the lesson from that book is like, ask more questions. Yeah. How are you if, like? if the other person's involved in the conversation, yeah. well, they're going to enjoy they it more. In. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I won't go through anymore because you're clearly bored of my studies. I'm not, I'm not bored. I really like them, but I'm thinking if this goes down well, we, we could do yeah. another okay. episode. Um, maybe I'll, I'll get involved, you know. Well, ne the next episode, you're very involved in it. Next week's episode, you're... I am, aren't I? So, so if you're a Lloyd fan... <laughs> those anyone three, out there? Anyone? Three of you out there. Um, we're going to be talking about recession-proofing next week, aren't we? Mm. Oh, I can feel the excitement building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so, yeah, we look forward to seeing you in your ears next week.